This is something um, I was thinking about. I actually, I just finished a workout right before this. I was thinking about some stuff, like what we could talk about. Um, something that I was talking about, and like, obviously the floor is open to both of you guys, um, you and uh, Oliver and Peter. Um, something I've been like thinking about uh, throughout like winter break is that like, something I've seen in myself is that I've been, I know in, in me that I have the power to change my own self, but when it comes to other people, so people that we especially care about, um, no matter how hard you try, there are some things that there's some, that you can't completely transform that person, maybe the way you want, want them to, or maybe the way that you think is healthy for them. And that's something I felt, but I wanted to know uh, your guys' like experiences on that. If you guys wanted to chime in, <laughs> transformation of of other people uh, within close proximity of your friend group, with your peer group, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, with anyone, someone mm-hmm. that you really feel could, you know, like get up. Let's say like they're addicted with drugs or some like something bad, and like you want to change that thing about them, but no matter how hard you try, they're unable to. So like things like that, like to what degree should you keep on trying to change that person where it really doesn't help that person? Like it's harming you more than it's helping someone, helping that person. Yeah. Right. You you can do something and you, but you can only go so far with it. Um, one of the the best ways that I've seen just in my personal life, Mary, that you can you can help people really, and it's I think it's the most authentic way as well, um, is by living completely and entirely how you would want that person to live for themselves, um, especially if they're one of your friends or they're someone you're close to, like friend group, because if if you're living your life in a way that you deem fit and that you are happy with and that you are motivated by. That, in my opinion, will be one of the most powerful influences that you can have on a person who is struggling. Um, I don't know if you if you agree with that, Pete, but um, at least in my own personal experience, like you can sit down and you can talk with people and you can show them like what you might think they're doing wrong. If it's a drug addiction, you can help try and help them out of that. Um, but you can only lead a horse to water. You can't you can't force it to drink. And so when you're faced with that, that predicament, one of the most influential things is for you and your life to, to be sort of the, the lighthouse for them, to guide them through the darkness. Cause you can't force them to do anything. You can't force someone who's struggling to do anything. Um, it's not very authentic. So at least in my own, my own personal experience, when I've, I've, you know, helped influence others, I've helped, you know, mentor some people and, and try to be a friend alongside people that are struggling um one of the most influential things is just living authentically yourself and and living the way practicing what you preach and living the way you would want them to yeah i think that's that's a really good way of looking at it so i, I agree with pretty much all of that um yeah like you're basically describing um you see someone who's stuck in a matrix (laughs) and 
their kind of resistance. So, and you're, I guess, yeah, like you're trying to be the light, you know, like the teacher that explains them what they're struggling, like what matrix they're stuck in. And you want to, you know, you don't want to ridicule them. You want to help them out of it, you know, with like an authentic concern and compassion. But yeah, like Oliver's saying, there really is only so much you can do. Um, But yeah, I'm wondering like, what would be, it's hard to tell like, when is the point where you just kind of like where you realize you can't do much more, you kind of give up. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Both of you give really good points because I, I think the way I've tried to transform myself this year has been influenced by a lot of people also through just things that I watch on YouTube as well. I watch a lot of David Goggins and he pushes me a lot. (laughs) Um, and I try to implement that ideology and I I feel like I do a fairly good job, but I I think all the stuff that I learned from him and like other people, Nick, Nick Dance, another person as well. Um, and I've tried I try to put it in myself and then when I see someone else struggling, I think something that I need to work on is that like all the stuff that I learned that I put on myself. I try to implement that on other people that I see that that are struggling with like eating disorders or trying to um, lose weight, things like that. I'm like, just do it. Like, get after it right now. Like, why are you talking to me? Things like that. (laughs) And I've realized that it's, you can't, you can't give that advice immediately to some, like to everyone. It takes, I think it, takes more of a level of understanding between you and that other person and right just being authentic and then only taking them so far that you feel comfortable with and you can also see that they are trying to improve themselves Mm. yeah no and I, I totally agree with that I think one of the ironic things about helping other people and i believe this is a message that that david goggins people like jocko and and these big name youtube influencers a message that they preach a lot is surprisingly it's an ironic message it's you need to have yourself figured out first and the discipline in your life figured out before you can really authentically to the fullest extent help others um and so in that sense you need to basically live your life in the fullest completest way before you're willing to give up part of yourself to help other people um and that's a very you know interesting thing to think about because it seems selfish on the surface right it's like i need to have everything in my life figured out before i can really give up and and do things for other people but the truth is it's like if you're just lost at sea alongside another person and you lend some you know, fickle piece of advice to someone. It's like, they can take that and try to implement it. But if they don't even know what that looks like, like proper execution of that idea, they're not gonna, they're not gonna stick to that long term and be able to really, to the fullest extent, implement that piece of advice into their lives. And so in a weird way, you almost need to focus on yourself completely, fully, maximally first, before you can, you know, really reach out and really make a lasting, authentic impact on someone else. So you have to be selfish in a way to be selfless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. But I don't know if selfish necessarily is the right term. I think it's e- easy to label that as self- 
selfish. Um, but I would also like to call that more so a duty to yourself. You know, it's not, it's not like putting yourself above anyone else or putting your needs in front of the needs of others. It actually, mm. in a weird kind of um, paradoxical way, by putting yourself first and helping yourself, helping you by trying to figure out things for yourself first, in the long run, you're going to be able to help more people, right? Um, if you're just kind of taking hits and you're doing this and you're doing that, and then you're like lending advice and you're throwing this there and you're not really thinking, you're not, you don't really know what clear path that you're on, you're going to have a much harder time giving more influential, real advice to other people. You can still do it. And I'm not saying that it's not ineffective, but you have to practice what you preach, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gotta gotta walk the talk. Everyone, everyone be talking, but not not walking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think it's I think it's true. But in the college environment, especially, it's very difficult to know what it really means to live that full, complete life. I think and finding that is the hard part. Do you think that's due to like a? Do you think that's due to the level of maturity? Because like it's scientifically known that the human brain matures at the age of 25 or do you think mm. there's other factors oh i think there's a i think there's a ton of other factors and i think you know development of the brain could be, is part of it but um i think that also could be you know that could be easily written off as just an excuse um i think there are so many different influences within the university setting and college and even at william and mary that tear people down more so than bring them up um, and people get lost in trying to find things that really seem fulfilling and that will bring them results and that will make them a better person. Um, when in the long run, these things that they pour themselves into are, aren't, they aren't all that they seem to be. Right. And so people in the university, you know, they latch on to stuff that isn't something that isn't going to provide them any real results. And that, in a sense, tears them down before they can even, you know, get out of their seat. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, wait, so are you talking about, like, different matrices within the university <laughs> setting that people can fall into? Like, like what are some examples? That you're, yeah, are you talking yeah. about kind of like drug, drug use or? Sure, yeah. Dr yeah, and I think, yeah, it can be that extreme. I think it could even be so much as just like joining, joining Greek life. Um, you know, I think when you, when you enter into the university and start making these kind of big life decisions, like who are you going to identify with? Who, what are you going to spend your time doing? Um, it's not even necessarily the actions themselves that bring about, you know, um, the fullest extent of the damage. It's the motives behind your actions that are the underlying factor that need to be resolved first. So a lot of times when I see people joining Greek life, um, it's, and this is, this is why I joined Greek life in the first place too. So I'm speaking for myself here. I was seeking to fill up an empty part of myself. I, I didn't have an identity and I wanted an identity on campus that, that, that seems to, to, you know, put me on the list a little bit and put my name out there and, and put myself out there. And when I reflect upon that decision, that really was a self-centered decision. It wasn't anything about helping other people. It wasn't even necessarily about advancing myself 
into my own personal goals and ambitions and becoming a better person. It was more a fear that if I don't do this, I'm going to get swallowed up and no one's going to think I'm cool and I'm not going to have any friends. And that is why I joined. And I think that is a majority of the reason why other people join. Um, mm-hmm. And it ultimately is just a decision that people make to with without thinking it through and, and trying to find the answers in places where the answers won't be provided. Um, and that's not to say that all Greek life is bad, because I do think there are positive benefits too. But when we're speaking about this example in particular, I think that that is relevant. But yes, also drug use, you know, alcoholism, just going out to bars and partying on a consistent basis. There's nothing inherently wrong with that, but I think you need to assess your motives behind that first. Yeah. Um I had ex- exactly what you talked about. Um this was this was a conversation I had with um Nick actually last year. Um and this was kind of so last last year's spring was kind of the first semester I took myself out of the whole party scene, bar scene at William and Mary. Um but one, I didn't fully understand the motive like of why I was doing it. And two, like I really had a strong desire of belonging that I no longer had because I no longer participated in those activities. And I felt like I don't belong. Like I don't, like I would see on the weekends, people are going out, things like that. And I'm like in my dorm or like I'm at the gym, but like completely alone or away from everyone and everything. And I straight up told, I remember telling Nick that like, I don't feel accepted. I don't feel like I belong, things like that. And he was like, be unaccepted, like don't belong. And then at first I was, I got shaken up kind of like, wait, what do you mean by all of that? But then as you just said, like the motive, the motives behind it, like, um, I, I reflected a lot on, you know, why, why I go, why I try to like participate like why I try to go to bars and parties and all that and it was more because of something I want a goal that I was trying to attain by the end of the night or like something I was trying to gain by doing it whereas I was lacking the purpose of the actual meaning of going out like going out is to have fun it's not to like bring a girl back home or it's like not to get fucked up like drinking too much it's to have a good time and that's something I didn't understand until I left that entire thing that like, okay, I should go out to these things to have a good time and not to do things that would maybe make my night better and like keep chasing after it. So yeah, it really took a lot of reevaluation to understand like what what are things that would be beneficial to me and like would make me feel happy. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm yeah yeah um what changed for you um that I stopped doing all that stuff Mm -hmm. well a lot of it was just like just like you I also left Greek life and all that and I wanted to get away from a lot of things and also like my trauma was also directly associated with um Greek life and going out and all that stuff so it was also 
like fear and all that things preventing me from being around those people again. But when I took myself out of it, I was, I also like, I felt more so forced that I had to leave all these things versus like why I'm doing it. And then actually it was more like when I tried to started following things that I like to do, like, you know, singing mm -hmm. or I really got into working out, especially through any human fit. Um, so when I started like looking at those hobbies more, I, I've always been a pre-med. And then when I started to like look at the things that I'm studying, why I'm studying, why am I trying to become a doctor? Then my whole mentality shifted. Like this is what I need to know. Not, not, not all the stuff that I used to do. So, right. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And to bring it back. So I like, I like how, you know, Nick prefaced this with it's okay to be like the strange one or the odd man out. Yeah. I love that. Um, I think that's so true. And I think there's a, there's an unnecessary fear between a lot of people, especially, you know, our age, young adults that they're, they're so afraid of not fitting in. But to bring it back to uh, the analogy that I stated it earlier, it's like, okay, there's a lot of ships coming into each harbor, but there's only one lighthouse, right? Or there's, there's a bunch of sheep in the flock, but there's only one sheep dog. Um, but those elements are essential and they're, they are foundational to the purpose of the flock or the harbor or whatever it might be. You can't, the world can't operate without them. Um, so when you think about it that way, it's like, it's okay to be strange. It's okay to be different. It's okay to be separated from the crowd because that actually is a fundamental portion of, of, of you know, even just existing. That's necessary. You, you can't, you don't want to just fit in with everyone else. I don't think anyone does, but everyone's so afraid of standing out. <laughs> um, in my, in my life too, when I, you know, I, I left Greek life, that was a, a huge fear of mine as well. Um, and I think that realization is one that just comes with time. And, and it seems like you even found that once you just realized that, you know, it wasn't all that scary and it wasn't what you really made it out to be, you know, and you found, started finding your purpose and meaning and interest in, in other areas and areas that were more meaningful and areas that were brought real fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was, you know, it's the exact same thing that started happening with me. Um, I was lucky enough to meet Nick. I was lucky enough to be surrounded by, by um, you know, a great roommate, Carter, and um, people that understood that same mentality. Not even necessarily at, in the moment, but looking back on it, they definitely did. Um, and that's how Inhuman started. That's how we started making, you know, a name for ourselves on campus. And what's crazy is in, in becoming kind of the strange one, the odd man out, the person doing the ridiculous physical challenges and, <laughs> and you know, kind of, you know, getting labeled in certain ways that was unappealing and stuff. But um, in doing that, I found myself. I That's really awesome. found myself. That's and really the, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the, the benefits that came out of it were innumerable. And I'm no longer the same person that I am today that I used to be when I went into the school. Um, mm -hmm. So, I, I actually something with what he just said, like it's not to such a great extent, but it's it's a small example. But I just wanted to say, like, 
like how you said how like you know people meeting people like Nick and Carter things like that um me and Peter were friends freshman year like we were really we were quite close friends um and then grew kind of distant because of um we kind of went to different paths in college like I chose Martha Greek life sort of I had a different friend group um Peter you were more with ROTC and then he also hung out with a different hall in in Yates our freshman hall so like we would still hit hit each other up like now and then we were also very matricized people back then (laughs) (laughs) yeah very much stuck in the matrix (laughs) yeah um but after like pretty dark things that happened with me and then it it was it was just quite remarkable that when pretty bad things happened with me and then I'm not sure exactly Peter you can elaborate more on this but like it just happened to be where when we both like our paths converged again when I hit up Peter again like hey like let's start hanging out again and things like that like we were both on kind of we we both had like the same mentality at that time we were both looking at a bunch of like buddhist philosophies and like religious stuff and like spiritual spiritual stuff I'm like holy shit i thought i was the only one doing all this stuff <laughs> and then like yeah from there it literally grew um we created this podcast um mm-hmm. Peter was one of the people that helped me get into human fit. He's like, you should definitely join this club. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kid you not, like it was, it was definitely, it was a month, but there were, there were some days, even weeks. And I don't know if I've told you, if I've told you this, Oliver, but there were, there was, I think this was the last day of school in spring there. So most people on that Friday night were like, um you know go to bars and all that me and peter were both it was pouring rain me and peter were both uh sitting outside of panera we were having a time of our lives it was it was probably the greatest it was it was probably the greatest one of the greatest moments (laughs) of 2022 for me but i had so much fun talking about or we were just jumping to different like realms of reality um, <laughs> yeah, time that conversation to expand like that conversation like felt like an eternity honestly time like that actually felt like it stopped it seemed like we had glitched the matrix like everyone stopped moving like everything was paused it was like that was a good time to have a conversation yeah and and like as you said Oliver like I don't know me just doing that with Peter like it I was able to f- I almost felt that I was finding who I really am. Like just right, having right. that conversation with Peter, like, like people, people would think that we're crazy. Like, like how the, dude, like, what are you doing, bro? Just go to like brick house. Like, no, like I was, <laughs> and it was pouring rain too. And like, everything was closed when we were there, but it was like when we, and we, that wasn't just the only time we did that. Like there, there were multiple times we would just have those conversations or just do things. We would go to places, just talk with whoever we want. And that, it felt like I was alive. Like that, like last year, it actually felt like after living for 20 years, it felt like I feel alive. So, I mean, definitely props to Peter on that. But like, that's, I don't, that's something I was able to f- feel last year and then I want to hold on to that I want to hold on to that for the rest of my life so yeah 
Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I resonate with that. It's crazy because as soon as I stepped out and, and I, I started being really what it was is I started being more authentic. I started being much more, um, you know, unabashedly authentic in my, in unabashedly myself. Like I didn't want to do, um, what everyone else is doing. I want to do what I want to do. Um, you start to find other people that operate in the same manner as you do. Uh, that's, that's one of the, the most wonderful side effects that creating inhuman has done is it really, it built my friend group. It did. It built my friend group because what it did is it took all the people that were striving for something different, something genuine, something extremely authentic, and it brought them together on a consistent basis. And the vast majority of my close friends all come from Inhuman now. Um, and it really just started as something I was passionate about, something that was a little bit strange and, you know, not the usual course. Um, and we, Nick and I just took that and we made it a community of people that were all that way. Um, unabashedly, unashamedly themselves with nothing to prove, with no real ulterior motive. There's, when you get into Inhuman, there, there's, no, there's no way that you can't just be forced to be yourself when you're out there because all you have is yourself, really. That's what we, we try to teach people. But the, the crazy side effect of that and the, the amazing side effect was that it brought all of these like-minded individuals into one place. And I believe that if you, you have any sort of passion, any sort of, you know, endeavor that is authentic, is genuine, is, is a part of you, something that you care about, and you're willing to put time, effort, and, and commit to, if you create one of those, you will also draw people that have similar interests. And the, the beauty in that is that it's founded on something totally and entirely authentic. Um, whereas you compare that with, you know, just the, the, the trio of bar scenes at, at Warren and Mary. Um, and, and I guess, at least to me, the difference there is that it's just the breeding ground for ulterior motives, right? It's like everyone's there to get something for themselves out of it, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a very authentic place, right? Um, you're there to either fulfill, you're basically just to fulfill your quota for the week, or you're there to, um, you know, bring someone home. And you don't really think and care too much about how other people are feeling. It's more so it's like, this is my time, this is what I want, what I want to do. It's, 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 you know, gratification in the instant. And that is so different than what I think brings ultimate, you know, purpose, meaning, happiness, and fulfillment. And, and it's played itself out in my life that way. So. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> it's interesting talking about the authentic self of a person is Oliver you're talking about how you know you were trying to find like you were trying to be somebody you were afraid of being nobody so you wanted to join you know Greek life and when I was very entrenched in the matrix I also didn't have a very clear idea of who I was um but you know and in some ways that hasn't really changed like just the ways I accept it kind of has changed. So, well, like you, um, I guess out of fear of having this like void inside of you, you were saying, Oh, like I'll join Greek life. And like, I would do things like, Oh, I need to be, 
you know, in the nightlife, like I need to be devouring the night, you know, I can't just be this loser stuck up, like, you know, reading a paradise lost or some other classic, like I need to be <laughs> like hooking up, you know, need, people need to be seeing me hooking up. First of all, like, yeah. you know, they need to be seeing me at the club. I need to be seen. Like I need to be posting yeah. on Instagram. I need to be somebody. And yeah, I think part of it is just accepting like, I guess the whole point of life is just you're trying to find who you are. So it's kind of like, you know, try, like really like stretching yourself to just be like, I am like a player. Like I'm, you know, I wear Nike, like I'm cool. Like, you know, you gotta, so right. it's just like at a certain point you have to accept it's like, it's harder than that, I guess. Or I don't know, maybe it's simpler, but mm-hmm. it's just like what I'm saying is like with the matrix, it'll try to give you ways to, to define yourself, but they're not ideal ways or not like the proper way you should be doing mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Like the matrix yeah. will like try to define you as like, okay, you're an alcoholic or you're, you know, you need drugs to have fun. You need to do this. This is who you are. You don't hang with that crowd. Like that dude's a Monroe scholar. He's a lame, like, you know, <laughs> he wears Reeboks. He doesn't wear AF1s. Like you can't, you know, it's just tries to do these like, very superficial things to try to define you but they're just not it's not it i don't know i'm doing i'm not yeah, i feel yeah. like i'm not doing a great way of describing this but. no i i think i can add a little bit to this have you guys seen the alpinist netflix special on um on this this ice climber i think his name's on mark andre leclerc what's it called again? Not. um the alpinist no what's it about okay so um mm. Mark Andre Leclerc's uh, professional ice climber, meaning um, mountain climber, free solo climber. Um, you know, he's like those guys that that are that are like you know scaling faces with no ropes attached and just a bag of chalk at, on their waist and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And this particular documentary stuck with me so much because it, it's it's a, <laughs> it's the only documentary that that it seemed like the person was so unbelievably engrossed in what they were doing and their passion and their motivations that the people that were filming the, the entire documentary didn't have no, had no idea how to, to, to film it. Um, and so Mark andre Leclerc, mm-hmm. is, he's just this insane climber. And he was accomplishing all these insane feats, breaking world records, doing all these crazy things. And so they decided to make one of the, wanted to make a um, Netflix documentary about him. And while they were filming the documentary they couldn't even get a hold of the guy because he was so unbelievably engrossed in what he wanted to do in his passions and accomplishing these extremely amazing physical feats um he he scaled i think tori agers like this massive sheer cliff and he did it in like i don't know in like under two days or in a day or something that's just unheard of with nothing attached mm-hmm. at his waist and he's climbing thousands of feet into the air um and the people that were filming the documentary couldn't even get a hold of him because he was so engrossed in just being himself and he was so unconcerned with you know the fame that might come with accomplishing these feats and he didn't care about you really even the production value of the documentary it probably would have been a better quote better quote unquote documentary if he had spent you know a bunch of time doing an interview and, and had like, you know, put more money into it and wanted to have show his face more and let people inside of his world more like people might've gotten more out of it, but he just was so engrossed in what he did that 
they could they were just like he would be gone for six months at a time and they call me like i can't we can't get a hold of this guy um but the result of that was he did some of the most amazing climbing accomplishments in the history of the world stuff that people will never be able to replicate um and in the end he he perished actually i think in a in an avalanche um but his story was just fascinating and the way that they presented in the documentary just proves that like to accomplish something and to 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 be of worth and to feel good about yourself and to to influence others and like the only reason i'm bringing it up in this conversation is because it, <laughs> he was so unbelievably authentically himself that it was just it was fascinating it was fascinating i gotta watch that <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's great it was great great documentary um and there are some other documentaries on climbers too. And I think, I don't know what the other guys, I don't know if it's my Alex, but the other one just came across in comparison to this one is just kind of uh, not, not prideful, but a little bit, you could tell he cared about his image more. And in that sense, it was much less authentic, much less interesting or much less um, fulfilling of a, of a thing to watch, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it just all comes back to prove that authenticity is so much more important than you know seeking something for yourself just to to lift yourself up you know authenticity over selfishness authenticity over greediness over satisfaction um yeah and 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 at the university you know it's very it's hard to find that i think is the issue i think i think it's very difficult to define in your own life, what that means for you. I think that's a challenge that people face for the vast majority of their lives. Um, But that, in my opinion, is all the more reason to get started as soon as possible and to not be afraid to be the person that takes the leap and that doesn't care about the money and doesn't care about the fame that comes with, you know, success, right? Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, college, college, and, and the university in the United States right now, at least, is just a, it's a breeding ground for a lot of very self-conceited things. And I, I don't think the universities really do much to promote the opposite. You know, the the entire sense of Greek life and the proximity of bars to campus and the uh, just the the whole social standard of you need to be in Greek life, you need to have friends. That's what's promoted. That's what's cool. That's what's fun. Um, it's a shame that it's that way. Because I think the real benefit and the real beauty and the real goodness in life comes from doing stuff that's basically completely the opposite. Yeah. And I think universities don't really care because there's a huge monetary benefit to having bars so close. Exactly. Greek life. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Isn't that wild? Yeah, it really, really is true. I think I did a, I did a, a little uh, research of my own, just looking at like a, a University of Alabama and looking at the proximity of bars to the center of their quad. And if you just look and you find a little star on Google Maps of like where the center of Alabama's the quad is, and then you look for the nearest bar, it's like within 800 to 1,000 feet. It's <laughs> right there. And that's a big ass campus. Um, and not only is there one bar, but then right next to that one, there's another and there's another and there's, and there's something like 20 or 30 bars. I don't know if that's exactly right, but that are within throwing distance of the center of the quad and just Mm. that image of like proximity is fascinating because it's like what's the stuff that is inherently most important is going to be at the center of the institution 
um, you're not going to put the academic building, you know, all the way out in the corner gone where people can never reach it. Um, you're going to put it in an accessible location where people can use it because the university values that and they want their students to be have close access to they encourage them to go to class. They want them to do this. And so when you see something like bars that close to the center of the quad, it's like, okay, well, what really is the reason for that? Why do they really want students to be there? And the, the underlying reason when you look at it is, well, it's obviously money, right? Because they're going to spend money there. They're going to keep coming back. They're going to get addicted to it. They're going to want that. That's what students want. That's how they pay their bills. Um, and so in order to step out of that, I think, I think first step is just perspective and just realizing that. And that's what you have to do first. And I, and I, you know, that's something that I'm, I've struggled with every single day because there's traps everywhere. But, um, you know, there's a huge crisis. And I was listening to your guys' other episodes. You guys talk a lot about purpose and a lot about how, why is it so hard to find purpose? Um, and I think just little activities, like ex- just you know, seeking the source of, of things. Like, why does the university do this? Why am I wanting to feel this way? Why do I feel this way? Um, going back to your root and analyzing yourself and doing some self-reflection is always a good place to start. And it's something that I'm working on that I don't claim to, you know, I don't really claim to have the answer, but that's worked for me, so. Hey, did you have anything to say? <laughs> no i mean well i guess this kind of i guess this is kind of a change of topic it's fine i mean not really this is matrix hunters so <laughs> i was just wondering oliver what like so we throw around the word matrix a lot i'm just curious like what uh what does the word mean to you like how what would you describe as it's a good a matrix or the <laughs> matrix that's funny because I was genuinely I was going to ask you guys that question, but um, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I think I think it's interesting how you guys always talk about getting lost in the matrix. If I try to just break it down into attributes, I think it's first and foremost confusing. I think there are traps that lead you down areas of 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 being that that are inescapable i think there are i think it's a a maze a theoretical maze where you are constantly searching for sort of the way out um but i also think it's it's active right it's it's something that you can't really stop you you always are moving through it you're always encountering it every single day in your life um It's complexity. It's it's and in a lot of ways, it's almost everything. If that makes any sense whatsoever, but you know, I don't, I don't have a picture perfect definition, but I think it's encapsulated by a lot of things, and it's it's mystery, it's life, it's action, it's. it's so many different things at the same time that it can even be 
hard to define it, but in, in that sense, that actually defines like the matrix. <laughs> Does that, I don't know. I don't know if I gave it justice, but I've never really thought oh, that. was that. actually like, that was a beautiful description, man. I think you hit <laughs> on so me. many good points. That's great. <laughs> like, I love how you hit on the fact that it's like, it's traps, you know, it's like snares. It's, um, and I liked how you said it was active because it is kind of this, ever evolving kind of wickedness or evil that or temptation that develops like because yeah you're like you know you change you know if you're a recovering drug addict now you might have like new temptations to either or like a good one is if you're becoming a more moral person now you might become mm like you know might condemn other people now that you feel like i'm moral like these people are evil now i can hate them like re like with you know a reason or it's justified mm -hmm. my hatred is now justified because i'm in a higher place and so yeah i like yeah i liked your definition a lot it is like this maze um i've heard people i've heard someone this youtuber compare it it's like uh, your rats in a maze and there's <laughs> cheese which is like material things fame um money and those are like the cheese in the matrix so you get kind of rewarded in by like running around this maze like finding the cheese but then the real you know i guess to be enlightened or to escape the matrix is to realize that like you're not trying to find cheese you're trying to get out of the maze so you're trying to mm. so yeah i could mm. so you believe the ultimate goal really is escaping yeah or maybe ascending i think ascending is the better word mm. Be because yeah. escaping could can mean like i was gonna ask you guys this question because like we talk about like partying and going to bars a lot but i think a lot of people or at least a good good majority of people do all of this activity because they want to escape like the stress or like just yeah. just how like hard or I don't know, maybe they're going through something really hard in their lives too. And they just want an outlet. Like they want to, they want instant gratification and they don't care how long they indulge in this instant gratification because they want to escape from reality for some time. So I guess in my opinion, that would be like more of an escape. Right. But then ascending would just mean like understanding that all of this is bullshit. Mm. And then going above all of that and be like this is what i i what i need to do and who i am as a person what i really like to do in this world i think that right there would be you taking the stairway to have like not i didn't mean like stairway to stairway to like dive like stairway to heaven that's just you like going up going out of right. the matrix right yeah so that that's just how i see it that's just mm. how i see it like going beyond go i think what me and peter have been talking about is like going beyond um just like ma the matrix realm is just one realm here but then there's so many other we me and peter sometimes think that, that when we keep on ascending are we are we stuck in the matrix ourselves but we know that we know that we're in a different one we're in a different one besides the one that the majority of people are in so it's an interesting way to look at things. It's a very yeah. interesting way to look at things. I've never looked at it like that before. 
Um, but it, it sort of makes a lot of sense. And I think it's a cool way to think about the matrix as something that is defined by its undefinability. If that makes sense. Um, yeah, because, um, well, to relate this to um, Zen, um, there's they they have something called the ten images of the bowl, which is basically it's the process of understanding your true nature. So the the matrix can also be kind of like this part of your ego. That's what I think it's getting at too, at least in Zen, where you're trying to understand yourself. And the first part is like the realization that there is this bowl or this the bull, I think, is supposed to be symbolic of, like, your ego that's not really real. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of your fake self, maybe, or your false perception of reality. And so you kind of, that would be like, oh, I'm in the matrix. Like, you're aware now. And now you're trying to find your way out or something. You know, you're trying to search for the bull. That's the next image. And then it goes on until you find the bull. And then um, I think it's like you tame the bull by like you know use like this whip so that's what i think that might be i'll just fuck it i'll just try to understand it <laughs> like let's say that's you're fighting the matrix so now you're like at war with the matrix you're like i'm gonna change society like you know Ooh. screw all the non-believers like we're going to war and then i think um, <laughs> the bull and the person become like friends or they just kind of they both like ascend like the matrix ascends and the person in the matrix ascends and they both like i guess become one or something so i guess that goes to what you're saying it's like undefinable i think it's yeah i guess like it evolves as we evolve as people like one of the questions i asked nick during the last episode was how his temptations have changed as he's become more inhumanized. Like, you know, I guess I'm, I'm making up words. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. as he's become more like, you know, he's grown, he's built in human, he's become a, yeah. like dedicated to this hardcore lifestyle. Like he's probably overcome some of the easier temptations. Like, oh, like he's not going to give in to like, I'm just going to rape this girl across the street. Like he's probably going to have more like, or like that's, an easy one for people to resist but like or a temptation to do crack cocaine or even drink more than the legal limit in the u.s so like his it evolves as he evolves so you know it's kind of like this i guess ever-changing thing until we perish and then hopefully when Mm -hmm. we die we actually get to look at the matrix and like Mm -hmm. shake its hand you know pat on the back and (laughs) both both go to heaven Mm. interesting do you think that there are little habits and little little things along the way that can help you reach that point or is it really all of a mental battle is it all spiritual a lot of it is mental um but the the ma- the matrix is real and i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you guys like an <laughs> example yes. um <laughs> I was reading about like <laughs> I was reading about like uh how how pornography is like how it relates to other drugs like pretty like illicit drugs um like cocaine heroin most specifically cocaine because mm. um the way it damage the way 
an um, active porn user and a cocaine user, the way it damages the brain is really similar, like the, the parts of the brain that's affecting. Um, and like people have done MRIs of the brains of both different types of users and they're quite similar. But what I'm trying to get out is um, you guys are talking about how like, you know, the matrix is also like ever evolving things like that and it's true it's back in um earlier days and things like that like you know being able to have access of looking at nude or pornographic images was through like some guy in a trench coat and then he'd pass out like a magazine to you or i don't know like it's it was kind of like how people how like drug dealers would give drugs so like that's the way it's evolved and now come to internet everything the 21st century someone as old as 10 years old can just go on incognito or just go on incognito say they're 18 plus and watch hours and hours long of things that were more taboo or like it was harder to access before but now it's become so easy to access that there's the brain just keeps on feeling rewarded over and over again and that's you know how addiction works it's like when you don't need to work for work towards getting something when and then you just keep on getting pleasure then your dopamine receptors start to wear off and then your dopamine circuits are wearing off and then your the the brain wires in a way that like now now you're starting to get you just want more and more of it and i i definitely blame society for <laughs> increasing pornographic use throughout the entire world that it's literally destroying the minds of younger people and that it takes so so much longer to get out of this habit because people are like oh if you watch porn like like I don't know like once a week like that's okay but it's not it's not okay um I and I've told this to my friends as well and they're like no I, I don't know what you're talking about and then they maybe understand me a little bit and then they're like, okay, like, yeah, I'll listen to you. And then I, I get a message from them a week later, like, dude, I did it six times in one day. I'm like, what the fuck, bro? Oh. Like, like, I, it, I don't know. So it's just like th that, like, like this example specifically, is something I've definitely seen and something, and it's definitely a mental struggle because I was also part of it earlier. And it's something I've fought really hard to take it away from my life and but it's 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 i was just trying to give you guys an example that like this is no, definitely no. something that um is present in our society and it's a problem and it's something that people don't take too seriously so. yeah and i think to even expand on that even more that nowadays immediately satisfaction immediate satisfaction of your desires is easier than ever so let's say you are um walking to class right uh, the first thing that I basically do as soon as I walk out of my house is I put in my, my headphones because what I want to do in that moment is listen to music. And as soon as I start listening to music, I start to feel a little bit better than I was before when I wasn't listening to music. It's immediate gratification. Um, you are hungry for a very particular food or something. It's like Boy Mary has countless dining options within the greater area. You go to Five Guys, you go to Chipotle, you go to uh, the Saturday Center, you can get a glass of milk, you do this, that. Um, and more often than not, you'll act on that desire and you'll go drive to get the burger that you want. And so, boom, there's another like hit. You have, like you said, unlimited access to a wide, insanely, vastly deep 
uh, amount of pornography. And we want this type of video with this action happening. You can find that instantly, instant gratification. Um, at the end of the day, humans are scientific creatures and animals. And there's a chemical in your brain called dopamine that you will seek to activate always. You, you, you are controlled in, in a way by one little chemical. Um, and that is a very important thing to realize that actually, you know, what makes us conscious and what makes us, you know, more meaningful beings is our ability to just not act in accordance with the chemical. Um, yeah, if you, if you just sit back and you analyze in your life how often that you seek comfort and immediate satisfaction of something that you know could easily be presented to you, like listening to music, warm shower, comfortable bed, food, pornography, even exercise. Like you can do almost anything at any moment and be satisfied and that's not how it always used to be for for human beings like you go back you know hell just like 150 years completely different world less controlled by dopamine still there but the ability to satisfy those desires to the extent with which they're, they're satisfied today is vastly vastly changed um and so that's that's why not to bring it back to inhuman, but that's why I like humans so much is because you are actively doing something that sucks. <laughs> that fucking sucks. There's nothing fun about you know running ten miles with fifty pounds in your back. That that hurts. Um, but you don't do it for the dopamine. You don't do it for the immediate gratification of your desires. You do it for a much higher, a much more important, a much long term beneficial reason. Um, so no, I totally relate with you. I totally see that, that battle happening in people all the time. And it's, it's, it's hard to escape because it's our nature, right? Something you said about like 100, 250 years ago with how like society was completely different. Um, when we, when we listen to like, you know, our parents or even our grandparents are like, oh, I used to like walk 10 miles to school or something like that like we would ridicule them like oh like shut up like nobody cares or things like that but then if you take into like if you take it a more perspective people generation like two or three generations ago or just a generation before us human like people worked harder to get the things that they like that they truly want in life whereas society is so right. easy now that we could get anything we right. want with right the message that our fingers lost, yeah. right the idea that growth comes through adversity that that motive that that moral is lost like i can't even like go to class nowadays without having my headphones in without feeling like i'm missing a part of me and being like eh, i'm a little bit uncomfortable right now let alone, you know, walking uphill 10 miles or something just like that, you know, and even the, the end result isn't even that, you know, attractive to me sometimes. I don't really want to go to class, but hell, people are doing way more to do what I'm doing. And I'm sitting here, you know, complaining about my uncomfortability because I don't have music in my ears. Um, the, the message that growth comes through adversity is lost more than ever today. Uh, and I think 
at all moments during your life, you should be trying to re-implement that principle because it's so far gone. It's so far gone. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's true. Wait, Wait Oliver, you're saying cool. like um, to to grow, you should implement more adversity in your life, or yeah, can you like elaborate? A little um, bit yeah, yeah. So the immediate satisfaction that you get from something like like, I don't know, drinking at bars or something like that is typically something that will bring you down. You have to hang over the next day. You have something that is going to set you back. If you had homework to do the next day, it's going to be, be a lot more difficult to complete the homework as opposed to doing the thing that you might not necessarily want to do in the moment, but that is going to set you up for long-term success. So in that moment, what you might not want to do, the adversity might be, you know, just one example, going to bed early and getting enough sleep. You don't want to do that. The adverse thing is going to bed early. The immediate satisfaction of your desire of a dopamine release would come from drinking alcohol or doing cocaine or whatever it might be that, that you'll do at bars. Um, the adverse route is going to bed early, but the long-term benefit that will build you up more, that will bring you into, like, let's just say a career profession, is take, taking the sleep, getting good amount of sleep, being able to give hundred percent of your effort to your um your your like your commitments the next day and then in the long run added over time that taking that adverse path is going to lead you to a place of higher success and more fulfillment mm -hmm. um and it all is governed by that chemical <laughs> it's all governed by literally a chemical in your brain saying that you want this right now and you won't be able to you won't be happy without it but you know, that's the matrix, right? Yeah. That's the challenge that you face. Yeah. That's mm. the trap. That's the maze. That's the disease. So and, and that 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 trap is within us, which is the the mind fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's it within is. us. It's not something I mean, it is external to it to some extent, like with how people are doing, but it's it's a mental prison. That's that's also right. that that is the that is the matrix. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. So I would say that like incorporation of little habits and ideas and, and or not our habits and, and just different things that you can do throughout the day that help you practice adversity is actually not a bad idea. Um, like we, we had a conversation, I think, while we were on the, the ruck about cold showers. Yeah. <laughs> and it seems so phony and so stupid, um, but it's a way to practice a muscle. It's a way to be like, I don't want to do this right now, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, and it's something pretty harmless, but that actually has a lot of health benefits. It's like the last thing you want to do is hop into a cold shower after you wake up in the morning. But, you know, it's all it's much bigger than that. It's much more, you know, there's more meaning behind it than just, you know, oh, like I have a sick morning routine and I take cold showers. I'm cold. And yeah, no, no. But th that that same principle applies to countless different areas of your life. It's deciding to go to the gym when you'd rather sit home and, and watch Netflix. Uh -huh. It's having that conversation with a friend when you really would rather not do that and you'd rather get your homework done or something. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it applies to so many different areas of your life. Um, and I think that also ties back into just like, you know, being selfless and giving yourself up. 
and and realizing it's not about you. Yeah, it's a whole thing about like mental strength too. Like people's like being mentally strong deals with doing things that you don't want to do because you still yes. do it when you don't want to do it. Yes. Um, yeah, and as you said about like the conversation stuff, like with friends and all that, like I used to, I used to absolutely fear like confronting anyone or like my friends about something, you know, that I felt was wrong. Like I felt something was wrong with the whole thing, but I didn't want to talk to this person because, you know, things could get awkward or weird Mm -hmm. and I didn't want it to get to that situation. But I'm like, um, and it's, you can't just become a master, like, confrontational person. Like, oh, like, fuck you, Peter. It's like, no, 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 not like that. But um, but I think any with any muscle, like, I think what some, think, some people fail to realize is that just how physically, you know, we have to hit the gym. You can't just start off um, deadlifting 305. Like, on your first day, it's everything is a muscle, just like your brain is. So with confrontation specifically, like, there was something like I remember my first time I I told someone that like I didn't like what they did I was like oh god like why did I do yeah. that but it was it was like that stepping stone okay like okay I'm able to yeah. do this what how could I improve next time if I have something um how could I improve to talk with this person next time how could I prevent you start thinking about ways you can improve and mm-hmm. then that's that's the whole thing about like you know getting stronger, improving, improving yourself and being more prepared the next time. And then now I become more, much more comfortable, you know, really saying things to people that I believe is right. And also just if I, if in a sense that I feel that, you know, I'm being something that I've really been able to develop, like throughout my transformation is that self-respect is really important. And if people are disrespecting you or things like that, that it, it takes a while, but it's important to be very, um, it's important to hold your ground and know that like, I'm going to still be a warrior with regardless of what you guys say to me. Like I'm, I'm going to hold my ground and there's nothing you can do about it. So Mm. that's, it's, I'm glad I've been able to get that far, but I still want to continue on that journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And confrontation is so difficult. Confrontation is, is one of the most difficult, you know, things to do because it's, it's, it's so multifaceted. There's so many different ways that it could go wrong, that it could come across wrong. Can you get the point across? Can you like, are you in the right? Are you in the wrong? Um, have you, was your experience with confrontation very, did it build you up? Did you find that you, you, what benefit did you see come out of that? Um, self-respect was probably the biggest thing yeah. um I you know I always, always used to think that like um I should just let it go like you know um I shouldn't say something bad to this person or maybe I'm, I'm in the wrong like I used to think that I'm in the wrong I don't deserve to say this to this person because mm-hmm. they're right for what they did like I try to a lot I try to see things in their way whereas and then I think it's good to like evaluate all that stuff like reevaluate all that stuff before you go into that confrontation but it's also important to be like hey like I did not feel good or like I don't know just I didn't I didn't like this when he did this to me or whatever and just 
just as you I mean I know your your whole mantra Oliver is about authenticity just just be straight up that like this is how I feel this is what is true to me and something I've also realized is that throughout all that stuff I've I've had a few negative experiences with how the other person's reacted or other people have reacted with me confronting them but I've also realized that more often than not it's um, it creates a greater understanding between me and that other person. It actually enhances our relationship, our friendships, mm. and makes us, yeah, makes us stronger friends. So I'm like, you know, why the yeah. hell not? <laughs> Growth comes through <laughs> adversity, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's very, very true. You know, I've had my same share of confrontations and, and problems at William & Mary, and I went through that same exact phase of, like, doubting whether or not I was in the right, um, building up the courage to even you know have a conversation um and i totally agree that what came out of it for myself was self-respect for the first time i felt like i became my own person um when i had my my first you know big confrontation and it's a shame that sometimes the the side effect of it is that you know you can no longer be friends sometimes that happens um but you know that is just how it is and you have to maintain a certain level of self-respect. And if someone's compromising that and you can't escape it, then you need to do something about it. And there's nothing wrong with it. As long as you know you end on terms and there's some sort of mutual self-respect in the end, then it's fine. Um, but I think confrontation is, is incredibly difficult. But doing confrontational things, <laughs> that's funny, but not shying away from it, is is very important because it is a, a self-defining moment and i've seen that play out in my own life um tons i don't know peter if that resonates with you but um yeah it does i've luckily i've had moments where i've done i guess you would call it confrontation but it's more of just saying what i believe and like if it differs but not like i think um yeah, being able to confront people is good. And I think it comes across especially well when you come out of, like you say that you confront someone, I guess, in a way of respect and like actually caring about the person and not just acting out of like anger. So yeah, like um, I think people always put it in a negative light, like you're confronting someone, it's gotta be like you two are like, you know, two knights dueling or something but it it doesn't have to be as you know oppositionistic or that's not a word but yeah i guess it i guess it it depends on the level of the issue you're having though i think there is a time and place to be very to be the op or whatever and to to you know start like some sort of not to start like beef with someone but to really um you know, you'll need to separate with someone at some point, or you'll need to 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 tell someone that what they did is wrong, that what you did is right, and here's why you think that. And there might not be a recovery from that. But if that's what it takes for you to gain your own self-respect and to feel comfortable and to be able to sleep at night, then that's fine. Do what you need to do to save yourself and to 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 and have self-respect. Um, you know, it's always good to be a nice person when possible, but it's not necessary all the time. I would argue that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, see, I see those like, I see most of them like you too, like, oh, like, don't be a nice guy. I never understood what that meant until, yeah. 
Um, maybe it's like, I watched a, a few good videos explaining that and also just, yeah, it comes with just a better understanding of um, of yourself. It's just that like, the, I think what the videos were, were trying to get at was that like, it's totally fine being a nice person, but again, there's an ulter- ulterior motive behind why you're being nice. Right, um, right you are being really nice to this girl because you want her really bad like you want to be in a relationship or in some form of any relationship with this person and you'd go to any means to get it um and with whoever you're doing that with um they can see that girls can definitely see or if i don't know just in any sort yeah any way you're chasing anyone you're chasing even if it's a friend friendly way to like i really want to become friends with this person um they see that desperation they see going back to our old point they see that because you want because they see that they want you so bad they see that you lack a self you lack yes. self-respect for yourself 100 percent. and i think it's it's fascinating sorry right there. Um, no you're good <laughs> literally and i think i think women can read that very well especially like the whole pickup culture is such bullshit because the entire um, the entire idea of pickup culture is founded on a faulty premise. And the idea is that you, as soon as you pick, start reading a book on like how to get women, your pure goal when you start approaching women is just to get women. And the same thing, like with the whole pickup artist thing, it's like, as soon as you are out there in the streets, it's like the only thing that will measure your success. And the only way that will determine your success is if you get women or not. And the ironic part of that is that women read that like a book. And another example, it's like if you approach a professor and you want to start to build a relationship for them just for the recommendation letter, it's like they're going to know because you're not going to really care about the things that they would say that doesn't really have to do with that. And it'll come through. Um, But that authenticity and being authentic and no matter what you are doing is by far the most important thing. And it's guys that have a lot of problems with with girls, I think, struggle with the fact that the only thing they want to do in life is get girls. Or the only thing they want to do in life is to get into law school. So the only thing they're going to talk about with the professor is stuff that leads them towards the recommendation level. Um, And ultimately, that will bring you down a path of just unauthentic dissatisfaction. Um, (laughs) It's it's, it's a complicated environment. And it's at its peak in the universe. I truly believe that. And uh, it it bewilders me sometimes when you just look around and you can see that so easily. Um, but I've fallen in the same traps for myself and I, and I do every single day. It's a, it's an ever waging war. Uh. <laughs> I think environment is a huge factor for it too. Um, like something I realized during winter break, um, like when I'm back in school and all of that, I'm always like, damn it. It'd be nice to like be in a relationship or something like that. But yeah. when I'm back back at home, like away from that environment, um, I've just been I've just been busy and like honing on the things that I like have to do, want to do, and things like that. And I've realized like, and even when I've taken time away from all of that and just sat by myself and you know journaled my thoughts and things like that, I realized like. I I don't need to be in a relationship like this is this is not it's it's not something I need to enhance my life it's it, I mean it's it would be nice to be in one for sure it's a bonus it would be a bonus but it's not 
something that's empty. It's not like I'm 60% of myself and the relationship would be the the 40% of the pie and then I'll be a complete person. Like it, it used <laughs> to be that. It really used to be that um, earlier. Um, I remember me back in freshman year. I This is going to be funny, but <laughs> um, I remember me back in freshman year. I had this list, that list of things that I wanted to complete um, before I graduated. <laughs> college and I was like okay like get straight A's that's that's not happened (laughs) but um (laughs) and then it was you know being a being a good friend group so I've been able to do that and it was the rest were like absolutely like um degenerate stuff is like okay like losing my rigidity okay great being in a relationship um and I was like oh shoot like I, I accomplished like three out of the four like I'm I'm doing great just gotta do one more (laughs) and then I was on that like track for so long like dude why can I do it like I like I've been trying so hard it's just not working and then I was like what like why is this one of my goals like this doesn't make any sense and that was yeah that was a huge like something I had to understand for myself that like yeah what am I doing yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> no, it's, it's I don't know if you guys true. relate with that <laughs> no I do I do I think a lot of people approach college and they, and they come into it with kind of a checklist whether or not they write it out or, or not is one thing but I certainly did I certainly had goals in mind of things that I wanted to do and who I wanted to be and, you know if you just work purely towards just trying to accomplish that goal you're going to accomplish it in a very phony way especially relationships right like if your goal is just to be into a relationship, well, you could do that any day. You could do that at any moment. Like you could you could enter into some sort of relationship very easily. Um, whether or not that is one that you will value and that you'll bring that'll bring you happiness, I think it's something totally different. Um, but yes. So what if your goal is to enter into like a true sacrificial love type of relationship? Would you say that's um a good goal? Yeah, I think that's fine to have that in mind. I think that's what everyone ultimately wants. And that's what they have in mind, whether they believe it or not. Like, that's what people want. Um, But focusing on entering into that relationship and just like devoting your life to finding it is going to lead you away from that actual thing. Like I said at the beginning, I I truly believe that that building yourself up first and like in in the words of Roger, like filling up your pie chart or whatever it is (laughs) first without the relationship is what it's going to take for you to have and find that relationship and to 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 you know to, that authentic relationship is not going to come if you aren't an authentic person yourself right um and so it's it's an okay goal actually i think that should be your goal that should that should be in the back of your mind like that's what you should want but that shouldn't drive your your actions and your thoughts throughout the day that will happen naturally as long as you are being authentic doing things that escape the dopamine trail stuff like that you know um and it's not it's not so obvious to see that though and and it gets convoluted and it gets it gets corrupted and like i said earlier that's just the matrix that that's what makes it so difficult yeah because i could be so intent on entering into this you know this um type of relationship and the means could become distorted because of like the desperation like 
like you might use you might be inauthentic in your <laughs> attempt to form an authentic relationship and then yes totally and people realize you aren't who you were saying you were or you might like you you might be trying to put on this facade of who yeah. you are and then you marry I heard there's this this collapses. thing where it's like you, yeah you can only be like a fake version of yourself for a certain period of time so there's like you can only be like the the projection of yourself for like 40 days or 33 days i don't remember what it was but it was a very short period of time so a lot of people like enter these relationships thinking and acting one way just to come across as that way to their person but then when the rubber hits the road they're not that person and all just falls apart <laughs> yeah so, they have a complete yeah. matrix meltdown because like yeah. <laughs> they're trying they're being a matrix person like coming up to you and then you marry each other and then you realize like you're like trying to put on this like you know this costume of the matrix person but then it all just it all just blows up in your face right you know the matrix man what can i say so what does it mean for you guys to be matrix hunters how did you come up with it maybe (laughs) is a better starting point yeah rachi you want to take this one Oh, sure. <laughs> well, Rachel came up with the name. So okay. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I mean, we both like agreed upon it, so I'm not gonna yeah. take all the credit for it. But um, actually, Peter like mentioned the Matrix too, and I, like just like you, I was like, "What do you mean by that?" So mm-hmm. I asked him, and then you know, like going away from social norms, things like that, and we you know just like you how you found it um in human like you wanted to know um you want to see if there's other people like you that have a different sort of drive things like that we we knew we know that like by us understanding all this stuff um we didn't just want to like make people feel bad that like oh like look at you you're stuck in the matrix like ha boohoo like no it wasn't any any of that but a part of it was definitely that you know asking these people asking these people that hey like what what are your fears what are your anxieties um what is something you're struggling with and you know we want to be we can talk about it and we want to be here to help you out um because like that's why we're called hunters because we want to see in what matrix you're confined in and we want to know how to get you out of it how not just just to escape from but how you can ascend from it how you can actually be your own true self so that was our main motive behind being these hunters but about the whole matrix thing there's another uh in our in our terminology we have we have a a lot of words in our terminology but there's there's one word specifically that I try to at least uh I try to do every single day it's called oscillation oscillating um and that what what that is this is this is something peter told me so this is one of peter's words you can definitely talk more about it but um it's just 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 authentically being who who we are as people but but also not letting fears constrain us so just you know things like let's say um let's say a place where like we could talk about, actually, I'll talk about one of our experiences. So me and Peter, and we brought another one of our friends. She was actually our first um, guest on our episode. Her name's Lauren. I don't know if you know her. Uh, I don't think so. No. Okay. Um, but me, 
me, Peter, and her, we all went to this uh, place in, um, like, it was like a rooftop, uh, a band was playing and all that. And it was, we were, we were all these college students. It was a bunch of, like, more older people there just, you know, enjoying the music and all that. It wasn't really the people of our friend group, but then it we were just, we were like, even though it wasn't very socially, um, a great, a great place for us to interact with a lot of people because it wasn't people from our age group. We were like, okay, we're going to, we're going to conquer our fears. I'm going to just talk to whoever we want. So we were like, you know, saying, uh, happy birthday to these people and just, or like to people that had birthdays or just trying to approach different people, really trying to get to understand them. Then there came a point where um, a band was playing some music. Me and Peter were like, all right, fuck it. We're going to, us two, we're going to go to the front of the concert and we're going to just start <laughs> dancing because we want to we want to do this. Uh-huh. And we started doing it. And then, yeah, I mean, some people are going to be like, oh, like, look at these two, like, drug kids and we also were completely sober. we didn't have anything but no we, we were just vibing it was so much fun and what actually that what that did and that's where we realized how much power us to had that's actually what I, I think at least for me propelled me to you know start doing these type of podcasts wow. was that when we were us who were dancing um you know one person came another person joined us it was like all right three people you know a few other people came a family came Dude, by the end of the night, um, just us two being there, there were 30 people all like dancing, having a great time. Dude. And I feel like uh, me and Peter, if we, us two weren't dancing at that time or like, I don't know, being just creating a good environment, lively environment, like that, that might have not happened. And then right there, like yeah. we talked about like, dude, us, we have so much power that we can we can change yeah. the world. We can change this fucking world. Um, so that's why, like, we started doing this podcast that, like, we want to be able to spread awareness, talk about this type of stuff, and not be afraid of, you know, how people are going to react with it. So, yeah, I think that's incredibly full circle, even on our conversation, because we started out by saying that, like, it's okay to be the strange one and the odd one out and to be the person who is, you know, the black sheep. Um, that's fine. And it's crazy that that is exactly how, you know, you started the podcast and, and you realize that that gave you the inspiration to do this. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> Peter, did you have anything to add to that? <laughs> well, I mean, Oliver, you're definitely oscillating yourself. I mean, <laughs> you know, you're the CEO of Inhuman. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll give you, um, let's say like you, 9.5 matrix matrix swings out of 10. Wow. Damn, what's the point? Five, he's lacking, bro. No, that's, a, that's a very high score, man. That's, 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 that's the motivation I need. I need the motivation. That's the like motivation. something you, you can put on LinkedIn. Wow. <laughs> 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 yeah. 9.5 D matrix. <laughs> Dude, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, guys. I really I appreciate it. Yeah. No, this was this is great. It was like what we had like a five six one hiatus from all this, um, mm. but it's good. It's good to be back. It's good to yeah. Be back so you're back on the road now. Do you have some more people lined up? Uh, I've got a few. We've we've got another episode lined up right now. Nice. Yeah, we haven't decided the date yet. So. Mm. Sounds great. Sounds yeah. great. Yeah, it's been a pleasure having you, Oliver. Yeah. yeah well, thank you guys. And thank you to all of our listeners. Um, we hope you stay dematricized and 
<laughs> I recommend joining Inhuman Fitness. We'll help with that. It will. It will. Thank you, guys. Um, actually,